Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Kristen. We're best friends who both happen to have been born with limb differences. Join us as we talk about the many ways our limb differences impact our lives. From medical intervention to bullying to dating, we're covering it all. And we hope you'll share your stories with us along the way. This is Life and Limb. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Life and Limb. I'm Anna Stiles. And I'm Kristen Green. Hello. Hi, and today we are really excited about this particular episode. We are joined by two very special guests. We have Chase McCants. Say hi, Chase. Is this where I say hello? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I'm here. Thank you. (laughs) Super excited to hang out with you. And we also have Kat McAlpine. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Woo, yay! I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yay! These are two of our very best friends, and they are here to chat with us today. Um, Kristen, do you want to kind of give a little background about why we wanted to do this episode? Yeah, so um, we had some friends after we had a couple episodes of the podcast released who had listened and who would say, you know, I didn't realize how much I didn't know about, you know, your little foot or Anna's uh, little hand or like, you know, I never thought about how you would do this or I never even thought to ask that or, you know, I always wanted to ask about this, but I didn't know how to bring it up. And so we thought, huh, that's interesting because some people it's like we've known them for years and it's just opening up a whole new like topic of conversation and a way to talk about um, our limb differences with them that you know, that we didn't really have before. So we thought, let's have some of our friends on and have a friends interview us episode. So yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this will be fun and a great conversation. Both of these lovely people are excellent conversationalists and I could talk to them all day. So (laughs) yeah. So uh, before we get into um, the conversation and the questions, why don't we catch up? Let's catch up. Yeah. Let's do it. So first of all, let's just have, we'll have uh, Chase and Kat, both of you, as your catch-ups, just sort of give us just a little bit about yourself, what you're up to, something you're working on right now, just anything you want to talk about real quick. Yeah, Chase, you go. Uh, no, that's what the finger's for. It's like, not it. Oh, man. Oh. You oh, have to say that... nose goes. Oh, uh, also, see, I never the listeners have no idea that that is happening. So yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, I guess it's me. <laughs> uh, so, hello. Uh, no, my name is Chase McCants. Uh, let's see. I, I don't really know how to do this. So I've, uh, Kristen is one of my oldest friends, not in age, but just tenure, uh, uh, that I still <laughs> hang out with. Uh, we I have met tenure. In, I love that. You, you do. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking about this yesterday out of all the friends that I still talk to, uh, you are the thir- third longest in tenure. Uh, so my apologies that you've had to deal with me this long. Uh, but she and I met back at The Ohio State University. Uh, uh, she was introduced to me uh, by a good friend of mine, and I was angry that she existed because I had a crush on her ex-boyfriend at the yeah. time. My, um, at uh, the time, my current boyfriend, yeah. Right, we were hoping right. it was that fictitious girlfriend in Canada that really didn't exist. And you <laughs> did, and you ruined all of my future dreams. But but I, we became friends, uh, and so that's how we grew up together, uh, uh, doing theater. And then uh, post college, I won't talk about the jobs that I've had, but uh, I was at my first rock band. We I, I tried to kind of sort of play piano, and for one of our albums, uh, I think Kristen, you had just moved back to Columbus, and we asked you to uh, sing and play 
uh, on it and it was awesome and it was one of our favorite songs and then uh, you joined the band of course when we <laughs> the year we broke up and it was not yeah. her fault it was like it was happening but what the cool thing was we got to work on a song for a, a friend of ours uh, for his wedding and then we started a band right after and and we were still in that band together um, yeah it was sort of supposed to be a side project while like the original band figured some stuff out and it just became the thing. And now we are so long stargazer and one of our songs is our theme music. So yay. Yay. Yeah. Chase uh, is yeah. the lead singer of, of our band. So there's I'm not going to sing right now because it is no. early in the morning and I have not warmed up, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, what, what are we working on? So I auditioned for a play and uh, I hope to have been cast. Uh, if I do, it'll be my first time doing Shakespeare in the park. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And hopefully uh, starting something of my own uh, with some help from some people that I know who might be on this podcast, uh, <laughs> uh, starting uh, my own theater in, endeavor. So more to come there. But yeah, yeah, that's me. That's Chase. Oh my god! I'll pass it to you. Oh, thank you, Chase. Uh, back to the news. Um, that was uh, very exciting because uh, now I'm getting new theater tinglys. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know Kristen, Anna, and Chase all through theater. Um, we all do that here in Columbus, Ohio. I did go to college with Anna at the Ohio State University, but um, I wouldn't say that we really oscillated at the same frequency until post-grad. Um, mm -hmm. She came to a small theater I was at, and I thought, no, no, this is my place. <laughs> <But> <laughs> um, we we eventually became friends, and I also came to know um, Kristen and Chase through various endeavors at that theater, and, and now we do things like um, socially distanced park bachelorette parties and um, all kinds of fun events, IBD mm. radio hour. Uh, speaking of uh, Shakespeare in the Park, I am co-directing Much Ado About Nothing this year at uh, Schiller Park in German Village of Columbus, Ohio. I'm very excited to be doing that endeavor. I always need a little Shakespeare in my life, but yeah, in my free time, I do theater. I play a lot of D&D &D right yes. now. Um, thank As you. we talked about on this podcast a lot, <laughs> we're basically a D&D &D podcast now. It has become dangerously close to being like a dual topic. It's, it's a, uh, for actors, I think it was a great pandemic emotional crutch to be like, and escapism, especially. Absolutely. Like it was okay, it was okay to deal with worldwide disasters in a different lens if I could do something about them because I'm a wizard or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then uh, I'm a writer and an artist, and I'm never not doing something, which is why uh, we rescheduled this. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, you're all lovely, wonderful people, and I'm so excited to be here with you. And that's me and what I'm up to right now. Yay. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you. Um, Anna. So I guess it's our turn to catch up. Yeah, you're going to – this is kind of going to be both of our catch-ups because I am tangentially involved in this. But Anna, Anna's had an interesting week. Can't believe I'm about to tell this story. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anna, what's something new that you've learned this week? I, I, I'm really confused. I I feel like there's about to be news. I, I learned something absolutely shocking and revelatory this week. 
so I, I just want to say right up front, if you are squeamish or not comfortable with like certain types of topics, go ahead and skip ahead a little bit. Um, so as you all know, I spend the majority of my life on TikTok and I found a video recently that was a, an exchange between two guys and one of them was making fun of the other because he discovered that the other one uh, stands up to wipe after he uses the bathroom. And I thought, well, why is he making fun of that? Everybody does this. And so I, <laughs> I asked my husband, I said, well, do you stand up or do you remain seated after you use the bathroom? He's like, he looked at me like I had three heads. He was like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, do you stand up or remain seated? And he goes, nobody stands up. And I was like, okay, but no, this isn't, this is not, no. So not, still not believing him uh, after I had seen this TikTok that ridiculed another person and then been ridiculed by my own husband, I took to my group chat, which Her includes Kristen. group chat, yes. Yes. Where and you I go to Anna. source all of your- Anna. Yes. yes. So I said, critical <laughs> question, do you stand up or sit down to wipe? And everybody was like, what, what even is this question? Like you stay, you remain seated. And I was well, like, but oh my we God. didn't, you didn't say at first, which one of you were on which side. So at first I no. was like, oh, Trevor, that's really, really weird. I don't know what to think <laughs> about this. And then all of a sudden the next message after we all confirm sit, duh, you stay seated while you wipe. Obviously the next thing Anna sends is, oh my God, am I the weirdo? We were like, <laughs> Anna, no. No, my world was rocked. I just assumed I, I assumed everybody stood up. I did not understand that sitting while wiping was an option. And so we had this huge back and forth conversation about like, what are you doing? Like, how did you learn this behavior? And I'm like, I don't know. I thought this was normal. I have no idea what's going on. And <laughs> so, of course, the next time. I went to the bathroom. I had to try it, right? To be like, okay, what, what is everybody else doing? My arm is too short. And that is why. And so I then had to go back and tell everybody they were making fun of me for having a disability, which was very vindicating. But <laughs> Right, because your right arm is, as we've talked about, two inches shorter than your other arm. Yes. And so the reason I have to stand is because, and I, I always said, I was just like, I, I always wondered, like, do other people have to like bend their back as much? Because like these <laughs> horrific diagrams that are playing through my mind right now. I know. Now. I am so sorry. That's why I said go ahead and skip ahead if you're squeamish. I so still don't understand. <laughs> right. We yeah, there were so many questions, and I feel bad so talking about this now because it's like I understand that you guys probably have those same questions and. <laughs> We can't get into all of them right now, but like... No, I actually just wrote a lot of them in, so we'll be able to incorporate more of this. But no, <laughs> no um, I no, went no, through... No. There was an Ask Reddit that went ex like went over this because there are... I, I wondered, like, where do we learn our bathroom habits? Because at some point, you stop going to the bathroom with your parents. Right. And I have no memory of being taught how to do this stuff, right? So um, uh, I, I found that there are there are people, uh, sick people like you, Anna, that, uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. There are folks who wipe standing up and they have that same realization. There are people who wipe sitting down. 
uh, uh, from front to back. There are real folks who do back to front, which is not good because it causes infections. I myself found myself very shocked because what I do is the in-between. I squat and that's how I wipe. And some people don't do that. They stay completely uh, seated. So I hope we didn't just ruin (laughs) the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody is unsubscribing as we speak. (laughs) On this public podcast, I will not be detailing how I go to the bathroom personally. (laughs) (laughs) However, I would like to point out that... Something your listeners won't know about me because they've never seen me is that I'm six foot tall. There is not a bathroom stall I've encountered that I can't see over. So standing to wipe while making eye contact with myself and either the mirror or looking at another woman in the bathroom would be maybe top 10 worst experiences of my life that I then have to have again and again. So that's never been an option for me. But I appreciate that you've shared this very vulnerably with us, Anna. Thank you. Um, I feel brave. And I've learned one new bad thing about humanity today. So thank you. (laughs) Well, so I looked it up and actually someone, I think it was like men's health. So this is obviously a very specific demographic that answered this poll. But they put out a poll about like, do you sit or stand to wipe? And it was like 65 sit, 35 stand. It was so. Yeah. I'm not quite as out there as I thought yeah. I was. But. but like you wouldn't close a door and then try to walk through it. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> That's such oh a good metaphor. The, yeah. Like it's less accessible. Nope. No. Well, but it's it's not accessible at all to me if okay. I'm if right. I'm seated because I don't have a long enough arm. So that's fair. And I understand that. And I'm so sensitive of like your journey. However... <laughs> I would like to suggest that you do have two arms. Yeah, but like I'm not gonna do anything with my non-dominant hand. Like I my my left arm barely functions. I tried wiping with my other. Mm. It ain't right. It ain't right. You can't you can't wipe with the other yeah. hand. It's weird. Anna, I feel like before we started this podcast, this is something you would never ever ever tell anyone other than the people that you originally sourced for information yeah no absolutely not I would have been sworn to secrecy we would have taken this to our graves and I just I want to say I'm very proud of how brave you are my growth as yes a, as a person I'm, I'm I, I know it sounds ridiculous but I am being so serious right no. now like <laughs> I think the fact that it turned out that it is because of my little hand and my shorter arm made it relevant to the podcast and I was yeah, like as I soon bet as, there are others as soon so. as we realized that I was like well now you have to talk about it on the podcast oh gosh yeah oh. I would like to say that my comments include the understanding that you know you just got to do what works for you and I don't think that people that do this thing differently are um I know the internet gets really jokey like oh you're an abomination or this is a horrific thing and I think right. I made some of those jokes but like at the end of the day like you got everybody got to go to the bathroom. You just yeah. do you, you know, whatever works for you. Right. Um, I'm just thinking from like a, a strategic standpoint, <laughs> right? Like so obviously strategically yeah. what works for me is different than strategically what works for you. So exactly. Ex- except, except back to front. Like you should just not yeah, do no. that. It gets, it's, it is not good for your uh, well-being or health. So it, yeah. if anybody is doing that, even though I'm sure that this entire segment is getting cut, don't do that. <laughs> Not good for you. Not good for you. PSA, front to back. You oh. can do it. 
Kat, they're going to do a can't. separate catch up uh, that without us on <laughs> completely different topic. <laughs> So well, I am going puppies. to push this conversation forward because I want to remove this <laughs> from my mind at this point. So, Kristen, I yes. believe it's your turn for a We See You. It is my turn. <laughs> and um, yes, I have someone in mind. So Melissa Blake is a disability activist and a writer. And I'm just going to call her a humorist because I find her wit and her humor just very just refreshing and very honest. Um, she has Freeman Sheldon syndrome, which is a it's a genetic bone and muscular disorder, and it can cause facial deformations. It can cause defects in your hands and feet and skeletal malformations. So she does use a wheelchair, but, you know, she's very active about, you know, like posting her very real like life and her very real situation and being open and honest about it but she's just she's so first of all smart she is so adorable and lovely and I love seeing her um her Instagram updates she also has a blog called so about what I said um <laughs> and the thing is she she already has a pretty good following because in the fall of 2019 she responded to some trolls who just called her ugly and some really nasty stuff and just really dehumanized her. And her response was to start taking a selfie a day and posting it publicly for everybody to see. She uses the hashtag my best selfie, uh, which I don't know if she made that or if she just sort of took it and ran with it. But that was how I became aware of that hashtag. And so because of her response to that, she just sort of blew up and gained a lot of notoriety and I've been following her Instagram ever since. And it just, it always brightens my day. And I just think she has such a refreshing outlook on, I mean, not just on disability on, you know, like politics on social issues on how she talks about her day-to-day -day life. And it's just so funny and honest. And I just, I just really like her. So I just want to tell people about her. And if you don't already follow her, check her out. She's just, she's been a great addition to my scrolling activities every day, especially now that we're more involved in the disability communities and doing this podcast. So Melissa Blake on Twitter, it's at Melissa Blake. Also her blog is so about what I said. She's a great writer. I just really love everything that she has to say. So that's it. That's a follow that I'm going to add, like, right now. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, she's great. I, I love her. That was a great one. Thank Thanks. you, Kristen. Yeah. So, okay. Now we get to get to the meat of the episode. So I don't know who wants to kick us off, but <laughs> Kat is flexing to show the meat, <laughs> I think. Um, so either one of you can kick us off. Ask us anything. Yeah, so I mean, my first one is going to be super lame, but it's informative to me. So, you know, y'all know I'm not on I'm on Instagram, but I'm not on Facebook. Um, and I know you've talked a bit about the community of, of both like children and their parents with limb differences, plus just like adults living with it as well. So like what's I, I've wondered what has been the reaction since the launch of the podcast um, uh, from some of your listeners? What's some of the feedback that you've gotten? Um, I would love to know that. So I would say the one that like immediately comes to my mind is um, the type of feedback that we get from parents of small children, um, which is not to say that we haven't heard from people who themselves have limb differences or different types of disabilities, but it's the parents who have contacted us and who have said, 
we just had a baby who has, you know, such and such limb difference. And we were so just lost and we didn't know what to expect or what their life is going to be like. So basically just like, you know, thanks for at the end of the day, like our, our, the biggest message we try to get across is that they're, you're going to be fine. You are going to be fine or your child is going to be fine. And I think that that is what resonates with them um, as well as, you know, hopefully getting some informative subject matter from the podcast episodes themselves. But yeah, that's, that's what comes to my mind first is just the parents who get some relief from listening to us and what we have to say. Yeah. I, and I will say I cry every single time we get one of those messages. Like I, yeah. it does not matter when it comes in. It, as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, thank you. So um, yeah, those are really, really meaningful. Um, just to know that, I mean, and that's part of why we started this, right? Is because I know that there are so many parents out there who not having known anybody with a limb difference or, you know, not being like, aware of this community before had so many worries for their child and just to be able to point to ourselves and be like, we're good. You know, it's, we grew up relatively normally and it's, it's really amazing to hear that that's had an impact. And it's also really fun. We've received a handful of messages from other people, adults who have the same specific limb differences that we do. And it's really fun to see how they relate to us and just know that these experiences seem to be somewhat universal, some of the things we've talked about. And then, of course, there are differences and hearing about that is always great. So yeah, it's been um, it's been amazing and sometimes like emotionally overwhelming in the best way. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of got into to my my follow up question, which is before I pass it off to Kat. Uh, for Kristen, I, I was my my second question was going to be like, how does that you know feedback or the reception make you feel? Uh, Anna already went into into it. What about you? I well, same. I get very emotional. Like even talking about it now, like man, I get choked up. Also, it's like not unworthy. It doesn't make me feel unworthy, but it's very humbling. It's very like, I'm just a small person talking about my life and like, what, what is this feedback? Um, it's very, especially cause I, I wasn't that interactive with the community before we started this. So to suddenly have these conversations or even just, you know, messages from people is like, I'm not used to engaging on this topic. Um, and a lot of times I don't have the vocabulary to even talk about some of this stuff that they have, um, especially the parents, because they're taking their kids to their doctor's appointments and their specialists and they know all the lingo. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't really know what you're talking about some of the time. Like, you know, more than I do. Yeah. So it's sort of, it's sort of made me dive even further into, into this whole experience than I ever anticipated going, but but that is a very positive thing for me. I actually want to talk about that a little more, um, the community, because uh, Kristen, I remember, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly when it was, but I had made a comment about you having a disability. I think we were using your, um, your like parking pass or something to oh. get a better parking spot. And I said something about like, I, I just referenced that like you had a disability like in that in that instance and it, it was a joke about being able to utilize it because it, I don't really um, it's not normally like my frame of reference surrounding you and you 
were taken aback because you didn't like that I had used that word or referenced you having a disability um, because I think that that wasn't how you were seeing yourself either. And and I made a note of that and thought, oh, okay, I, I've, I've done the wrong thing here and, and, and that's my mistake. But now I hear you talking about being a representative of uh, the disabled community in, in one way or another. And I wonder if you could both talk about how you think about yourself in that frame of reference as a member of the community do you think of yourself as disabled or whatever that means to you um and how that's changed as you've interacted with more and more people that have like a similar experience Hmm. I don't remember the thing you're talking about (laughs) that's good that means I didn't mess up very badly and I've made a note for the future (laughs) I'm I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that I was like upset it wasn't you weren't angry you just said something along the lines of like I'm I'm not disabled or something like that and I went oh okay no no taken I I was sorry and then I moved on but it was something I thought about yeah I don't we've said before like we don't love that word and the like both of these things somehow exist at the same time where it's like I don't think of myself as disabled or like I really don't like putting that word on somebody else, but in, in having to talk about this for the podcast and in order to have these discussions, we need language. We need words to use and, you know, so be it. That is the word that a lot of people use. And I know there are a lot of people in the community who have absolutely no problem with the word disability or disabled. And I think, I think it's actually helped me have less of a quote-unquote problem with it whereas like no I don't think of myself as disabled but it is what falls under the category of what we label a disability and I you know I shouldn't shy away from that especially when it comes to things like um, a handicap placard for my car or a disability placard because we talked about handicap too as a word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think accessible parking is like yes. the preferred language as of right now. Yeah. Which it yeah. always changes too. So. Well, and and I want to be careful to not say like, oh, I don't think of you as a disabled because that has the same tenor as like, I don't think of you as black. I don't think of you as gay. I don't think right. of you as blah, blah, blah. I don't see you know, color. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, in my mind, I think of you as normal. That's not, yeah. you know, that's yeah. hugely problematic. I think that... Um, I don't factor in when I'm interacting with you um, that you may need accommodations or different treatment because um, largely I think in our interactions, you two don't need special accommodations, but sometimes you do. Like when you're standing after the bathroom. (laughs) Just like that. Yes. I also can't, I don't know if, um, I don't know if anyone close to me, family or friend had ever, you know, I don't mind, like, my sense of humor is pretty broad, especially among friends. Like, I would hope we can joke about anything. Thinking about it now, and I'm just speculating because I really don't remember that specific instance, but it might have just been having someone close to me who knew me use that word that was a little like, I've never heard anyone say that to me before. And a lot of it is because I don't actually talk about Littlefoot or, you know, my limb difference this in depth with anybody certainly before we started the podcast I really never did so to just 
hear that word in whatever context, I'm I'm imagining it being very like surreal yeah. for me mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, if I if you don't mind me hopping on this question, Please. um I, it's situational for me. Like mm. I find myself sometimes in situations where I feel disabled by the situation. I don't feel disabled as a person. You oh. know what I mean? So, um, like for example, I'm aware that I have a disability when I'm in the bathroom now, but, <laughs> but like, I, I would not call myself a disabled person, but like, again, if I'm trying to like lift a heavy box that doesn't have appropriate handles or anything, then I feel like I have a disability in that situation. And Mm. I've been, I've been a little more accepting of that language for myself since I became aware of this beautiful, diverse disability community where I've seen all of these incredible humans who identify with this term. And I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, like I I guess they are. And I guess that makes me this way too. But it's not a bad thing to be associated with people like this because they're awesome. And, you know, so, yeah, I think it I think it depends on the situation for me. And yeah, language is very subjective. And I think everybody, every individual is going to have a different preference for how they refer to themselves and how they speak about it. But yeah, I am opening up to that language a little bit more, especially in the situational context. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny. So Kat, you perfectly tied a lot of questions that I have together in one one little go. Um, but you know, as you I, I think it's important that we, you know, consider the word disable, especially throughout the decades, right? So uh, one of the things that I keep thinking of is both of your limb differences and how it connects to, or at least related to, you know, being gay in America, uh, either being able to hide it or not being able to, whether that's in high school. Uh, I know we've all had the one or two uh, super effeminate guys that best they could try, they, we all knew. And but but even, you know, further than that. So thinking about what it meant to be gay. And I remember, you know, I'm 36 years old and it wasn't the best thing when I was growing up. And so there was pride in people not knowing. Right. Because I didn't want to be associated in some ways to something that was so negative. And when we think of the word disabled for so long, even past the point when we, you know, considered other things like being gay as as completely acceptable. I think in our brains, we tend to go to something very, very specific. And, you know, one of my questions had to do with like, how, you know, what were some of the reactions to some of your friends over time? And I remember with you, Kristen, we, I had no clue about Littlefoot for years until we were, I think, at Steak and Shake on campus. And, and, you know, our buddy brought it up. uh, And, and, you know, I was, and I thought it was a joke because you did not fit my perception of what mm. someone with uh, you know a limb difference or or anything would be because it just wasn't noticeable yeah. and of course that was not true and Anna the same thing with you I had seen you perform a few times without even really knowing it and you talked about this in a previous episode but it was upon a handshake and 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 then that was kind of and that was kind of it um, but because of my interactions with Kristen and you know, being careful about language and seeing how she approached it, it was, you know, I was able to 
I, this seems so clinical, but but you know, I, I try my best to not be offensive, but but have those uh, have a friendship with you that wasn't based around it at all. But anyway, back to that original word of disability. I wonder if that has something to play in it. So I'm going to go off script and say, you know, for both of you, the word disability throughout your lives when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when you're adult, how did that affect you and how did that evolve over time? Yeah, I disability, I guess in the 90s when I was a kid was, you know, it represented something that you don't want to be, I think. And like you were saying, you know, it was one of those things where like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And then, and I think that carried through, I think I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast where in the nineties, there was this big push in education in particular to have, you know, everybody's the same. Everybody can do everything everybody else can do. Like, and that's not, that's just simply not true. I can't necessarily do everything that somebody with who doesn't have a limb difference can do. And that's okay. And we should celebrate that. And I think there was this unintended consequence of that rhetoric of making it so that being disabled was very othering um, because no, 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 you should be able to be just like everybody else. Cause that's the message. Like the person who uses the wheelchair is just like you. The person who has a prosthetic limb is just like you, but they're not. And, well, and we it- all know they're not. It takes away also the the ownership or the sense of responsibility as a society to make adaptations or accommodations for people. Yes. Because if we just preach everyone is the same, then like, how is an engineer supposed to think about building a ramp? Or how is someone in the arts supposed to think about, oh, right, we need to hire a ASL uh, interpreter to be present at all of our performance? Like... It takes away the where that awareness or it boxes in your thinking so much if you just assume that everyone is able bodied and completely the same. So and I know that's not that wasn't an intended consequence, but I think it was a very real one. It absolutely was. And I think it was in the same era as like we don't see color, you know, and it's it that has the same type of consequence where you're ignoring the reality that these differences exist. And because of these differences, people will be treated differently by the system. Mm -hmm. So being able to actually look at that honestly, I think is important, but also to celebrate it. (laughs) Like being different is not bad. It's actually a wonderful thing that makes our world interesting. Did I go way off the question? I don't even remember what the question was. (laughs) It was just, you know, how did the word, you know, disable play to you as a, you know, as a child, uh, as a teenager and as an adult and how that evolved mm-hmm. over time? Because, you know, uh, again, I, whenever I thought of a, a disabled person, it was what we saw on television. It was usually someone in a wheelchair and it was always the wheelchair, right? And so we got used to ramps because there are people with wheelchairs, but we didn't think about all the other kinds of you know, disabilities out there. And and you can see that play out in a lot of ways. There's always, you know, the quote unquote black character and they always had the exact same story and you didn't see a differentiation. And so there was always, I'm black, you guys can't see me, but I am black. Um, but you would always see the same story. And a lot of people in the majority would assume that is the story of every black person. Uh, same with, you know, gay folks. We, we, before this started, we were talking about how women were represented in uh, in older books, right? And and what uh, I can't remember who said it. Uh, 
even in science fiction, women are uh, kind of a fixture on the wall, but nothing else. Right. And in you don't this, get this diversity. Even in this genre where we're supposed to be able to bend the rules and where anything goes, we still maintain the gender roles a lot of the times. And I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we're still live. I mean, you know, again, I'm 36. I'm, you know, an adult, but that was just when I was a kid. And so I, I wonder how this will evolve as time goes on with people, um, you know, even in the next generation who have, you know, limb differences or other kind of just differences in general, will we be wrapping our arms around them and, you know, making accommodations when necessary, seeing their differences and allowing them to succeed in whatever way, whether that be, you know, them moving yeah. around society or even, you know, as y'all were talking about with plays, you know, um, uh, creating space so that they can be successful. And where that stuff is anticipatory and not reactionary, where it's like, oh, crap, we have someone and now we need to make an accommodation where we actually think about that ahead of time so that the space is created to be accessible and welcoming to everybody. I just want to tack on because my um, experience is different from Chase's that I'm a cisgendered woman. I've been in a relationship with a straight man since I was 17 um, for like 11 years now. And I came to the realization I was bisexual while in a straight relationship. And that was really difficult for me. And even now, this is the first time I'm saying it publicly. So ta-da. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was hard for a lot of reasons. One, because I was in a relationship discovering something about my sexuality, which can be really challenging. Mm. Um, what does this mean? Does this mean I don't love this person anymore? Or who am I? Or why am I having these feelings? But largely what I find is that I don't consider myself a part of the LGBTQ community. And that is because I've never pursued a relationship with a woman or dealt with any sort of negative impacts of having discovered or announced to anyone subtly though I may have done it that I'm bisexual and it's been hard for me to feel like this is a community that I'm a part of now but I haven't experienced the things that Chase describes you know I haven't experienced like you know being afraid of people finding this out about me or um worrying what kids at school are going to say or struggling you know, I struggled with my identity a lot, but it was so internal, not external. I haven't even talked to my parents about it because it, it because I'm in a relationship with a man. So I get this kind of get out of jail free card where I don't have to talk about it because yeah. I fit into society's box. And I wonder if um, your perception of, do you, have you had any of those pressures where you feel like, well, you know, I don't want to call myself a member of the disabled community because I feel like I haven't struggled enough. Yes. Yeah. Be yes. Because I think largely our, our minority communities are defined by joined struggle um, and overcoming obstacles. So when you're maybe part of that community, but feel like you haven't struggled or suffered enough, it's hard to feel like you're a part yeah. of that community. Well, we're just going all over the place here, but that also that makes me think so much about the me too movement where some people would talk about like, I wanted to share my story and, you know, you know, have that kind of honesty that a lot of other people are having, but, Oh, I don't think my assault was bad enough, or I don't think what happened to me counts or something like that. Uh, in the, in the episode with uh, Kim Weald that we did, she said something that I thought was really interesting when we asked her about disclosure and at what point should we like as actors 
do we have a responsibility to tell a director about our limb differences in case it might affect their vision of the show? Something that struck me was she said, you know, a person in a wheelchair, when they go into the audition, everyone knows they're in a wheelchair. When a black person or person of color goes into an audition, people know they're black. And I never really thought about that, but it's like, I hate to put it in these terms, but like, oh, right. I have the luxury of hiding my limb difference if I want to. And a lot of times, unless I bring it up or unless you interact with me for longer than like one encounter, no one is ever going to know. So yeah, there is sort of this, a little bit of imposter syndrome here where it's like, uh, we've, we've, thought of topics to talk about and then we go to talk about it and it's like I don't really have anything like bad that happened to me I wasn't bullied I, you know I didn't have this epic struggle where it's like you know it shattered my sense of self you know like am I enough of this community to even be talking about this I've had all of those thoughts too so that's a really good question it is a great question and the answer is a resounding yes I think for me I yeah. I know that for a very, very long time, like when you go to apply for a job or if you're filling out a lot of different forms, there's always that box that you can check if you have a disability, you know, like just for the ADA compliance for the workplace. And I don't I check would it. Never, I would never check that box. I finally started doing it very recently. And there's a little part of me that feels like I'm lying. You know, because I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disabled enough for this to be my identity. But at the same time, in the workplace, I do need certain accommodations to succeed. I need to be able to, if I'm, I, I can't lift a bunch of heavy things. If I'm in a situation where I need to move something, I need help. I have a very hard time taking notes manually. So I need to be able to take my computer with a keyboard places with me and everything. And so I was just like, I mean, yeah, I, I do fall into this category, but it was a very long time before I even thought about checking that box because I was just like, this isn't meant for me. This is meant for somebody who struggles far more than I do. And mm -hmm. I think that was another thing that was very eye-opening about finding these online groups for limb difference is the acceptance of the fact like, no, this is also for you. It doesn't matter the grade of quote unquote severity. We're all in this together in a certain way. Yeah. And it was kind of a relief for to feel that because it I did. I lived in this space where I felt disabled a little bit, but not enough to consider myself disabled. And so knowing that there's a spectrum of it and it is okay to fall on that spectrum, much like sexuality, it, it's, it exists in a spectrum and anywhere on that spectrum is fine to be and you are allowed to claim that. I think that was freeing in a lot of ways. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would check that box. Like even yeah. now, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how I would handle that. I haven't really done that. Can you talk, like, wh why do you think that would be? Because I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I fit into that community or category, or I feel like I, I don't, 
I don't, I don't need anyone to make accommodations for me. It's not bad enough. Just everything that Anna said, like I, this isn't meant for me. It's meant for people who really have more of a need for it, who have lived with this, who have encountered many more struggles and hardships than I have. And it's not fair for me to claim to be a part of this group. I will say this. Accommodations are not a non-renewable resource. It's a mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fear of saying, well, I need this, but am I taking it away from someone else? Or am I taking advantage of the system? I think the more that you identify that you may need help, the more you broaden that spectrum for others as well. I just wrote a piece for work. Um, I work in telehealth and I'm a content creator. So I write I write blogs about healthcare. And the one I just wrote is how vaccine distribution is failing our minority communities. People are dying because we're not making accommodations. Um, hotlines aren't available in all of the right languages or more and more and more things like that. And so as long as our perception of disability or even just the need for accommodation remains to a narrow, severe, rare scope, we will continue to fail people systemically. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's something in yourself, perhaps, that you may need to explore. And it's, it's not an, you're not weak by asking for help. And you're also not taking anything away from anyone. And I think instead, it's a question of yourself. Do I want people to think of me differently? I think that might be the first fear. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Part of it is I can't think of any job I've ever had where it would even come into play. Um, So that might be part of it also, just something as simple as, well, a lot of it has been like office, like administrative type stuff. So I can't think of a situation where my foot or my leg would be in play there. Well, I'll be honest with you. The reason I started doing it is because I I worked at a nonprofit that I absolutely loved for several years. And during our annual grant cycle, when we would apply for, you know, sustainability grants and that sort of thing, um, we had to fill out our demographics sheet for our staff. And one of the things that's on there is, you know, um, list your number of staff members who are this gender, this, um, this race, like all that kind of stuff, all the demographic questions. And then it one of the questions is always, do you have any staff members with a disability? And in the arts and in nonprofit, that's actually looked upon very favorably if you do have a diverse staff. And so my boss and I had a conversation about it. We were just like, because he actually had uh, dyslexia and he considered that a disability and then would mark yes on that form. And he was like, you know, you do count if you would like to. And in a way, I was going to help the organization by claiming that. And so I was like, yeah, put me down. That's fine. And then after I did that once, I was just like, okay, um, if we're we're looking to bolster the awareness of diversity, I guess I do fit that category. And so I did it there. And then I applied to a job at a public institution that looks for much the same thing. And so I did check that box and I felt a little weird about it. I'm like, am I diverse enough, quote unquote, to fit that quota for them? But at the same time, I was just like, this is the reality of what I live. I do, you know, I'm not the same as everybody else, quote unquote. So I checked it. 
And how, how do you reconcile the difference between your inclusion being celebrated and feeling tokenized? Mm, great question. Um, I think a lot of that for, as far as we've talked about on the podcast before, it's mostly been in terms of um, you know, theater, of us both being actors, where it's like, we've we've said it both ways. We've said, I would really love to use like little foot or have your little hand be like featured in a way that was like fun, like in a sci-fi. But at the same time, we also just want to play the everyday person where like that doesn't come up. You just happen to be a performer with a limb difference, but it isn't something that is highlighted at all. Um, yeah, I think it's just... <sighs> Anna, you take over because this thought was not formed well <laughs> enough for me to start talking. Sure, I'm thinking no. of so many things right now. I And it brought up a lot of things for me too because that is an excellent question. And I think um, one thing that I always want to make sure that I do like in a job interview, I never want to be hired because I checked that box. Does that make sense? I want to be hired based on my merit and the fact that I deserve this job because I am qualified. I, you know, I am the best fit for it. If I then also am an extra quote unquote diversity hire, cool. That's an that's a cherry on top of the cake, but I need to know that I got this position because I was the best fit for it. And so far I have never been made to feel like I was hired or selected for anything because of my limb difference. Um, and it's never in spite of either. It's always, you know, you happen to be the right person yeah. for this position. And I think Anytime that I am treated as an individual, and this is always the case for me, once I get to know somebody, especially, you know, they're always like, oh, I forgot that you have this if I bring it up because they're talking to me. They're not talking to me because of this. You know what I'm saying? And oh, I kind of spiraled out in my thoughts there too. I'm trying to recollect them. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll pick it up. So this is... Um, Cool. I think this is a way of thinking about it that can be applied to um, many different areas of life and not just in the arts. But if you go to um, Charles Mee, the playwright, if you go to his website, he has this great, I think it's called a note on casting. And it talks about how there are playwrights out there who the work that they do, the purpose of it is to address these issues and to create awareness and to create opportunities for a um, you know, people of color, people with disability um, to push gender norms. And that's great. And we need that. But he talks about how his plays, they're just about life. And they're just about any any human living their life and interacting with other humans. And it does not matter in his plays what the actor looks like or what their abilities are. It doesn't matter who it is representing it because everyone can represent, you know, a human just trying to get by their day-to-day -day life. And uh, one thing that he says, issues of race and disability do not always consume the lives of people of color or people in wheelchairs. Female romantic leads can be played by a woman in a wheelchair. The male romantic lead can be played by an Indian man. And that is not the subject of the play. So yeah, I think that's how we address, like, instead of tokenizing people, I think when we are addressing issues, that is the purpose of, you know, awareness and representation and there is a place for that and it's important but when we're not talking about that we're all just human like you know I don't mm -hmm. I don't need to be able-bodied to to represent someone who's you know having relationship troubles you know like it it's just not a thing 
I feel like Chase, I was, oh, I was just going to say, I feel like you've got um, some great things to add to this conversation, both as a person with a body who performs and also you work in HR. So yeah. 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 And I, And so this is this is a struggle that I go through all the time because I hate tokenization a lot. I just I really do. Um, you know, when when companies who are not diverse show on their Facebook or Instagram, like, look at our diversity, but like that photo is like literally all of their diversity. And if you see the rest of the company, it's super, you know, homogenous. Yep. And so I struggle with that. And then also representation, because that's something that I've realized a lot in just the last few years is that. Everyone, so Anna, what you said, I, I used to say that a ton, right? I, I want to get this job because my skills are amazing and I beat out every other candidate. But there's a part of us, all, all four of us as minorities that is baked into who we are that also makes us a good fit, right? Mm. Because what we're seeing in a lot of companies, and you can also see this in theater too, is that representation does matter. You going through your life experience exactly as you did is important to organizations in general because they need your perspective. And so uh, could there be a person out there that is better in the people space than me? Yes, but they have no idea what it's like to live as a minority in the, in the uh, United States of America. And I can better inform that company on how to, to either accommodate, attract, or make the workplace better for people that have gone through my experiences. And hopefully I know a little bit more about other people's experience to inform them as well. And so when we think about being minorities in this instance, you both being women and then having limb differences, you know, I talk a lot about coming out in some ways. Okay, so this will be on the extended cut of it. But, you know, there's the movie Milk. And in that it's based on Harvey Milk, a politician in um, uh, San Francisco during, I think, the 70s. And they're having this big discussion. He's gay and he's got a bunch of folks who are gay and they're having this big discussion of saying, how do we how do we get America to be cool with us? And someone says we have to come out. We have to show people that, you know, uh, their doctors, their neighbors, their children, that they're all gay. We have to come out, right? Now, they had a small moment of that, but of course it was centralized in um, uh, San Francisco. But ultimately, the reason why everyone has become cool with folks being gay is because everybody started to come out. Like, remember the first uh, 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 athlete that came out and it was like uh, a gentleman who was a football player. It was like, football players can be gay, what? Right? And so over time, I remember a country singer came out and everybody was like, they allow gays to be country singers? What? And so it became more and more okay. <laughs> well, and it, it's, it's talked about then, though, in terms of like, why are there so many more gay people now than there used to be? <laughs> There's not. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, it's, it, we talk about, you know, a little bit earlier, we talked about diversity as far as what it means to, um, you know, be disabled or, you know, uh, live in a, in a world like that. And it's, it's almost important. And, you know, I say this with mental illness and coming out about mental illness, because we are just getting past the stigma that goes with that. Um, I, I tell folks, uh, you know, if you are depressed uh, or you're living with depression, you will have your own method of coming out in that way, just like folks who are gay have their own method. Some people do it super early. Some people, it takes them years and years and years to be able to say it out loud. And neither one of those journeys are wrong, right? And so we say this with mental illness. I think the same thing with what makes us minorities in the world. Our representation matters because there is, because if 
Anna and, and Kristen, if y'all didn't come out, uh, I would have probably uh, continued to think that disability was wheelchair, right? That's an exaggeration, but, but you get me, right? It yeah. takes us being open, not beating people over the face with it, but being open about who we are so that the normies, as I do call them, the normies, <laughs> they can start getting an, an appreciation that, you know, hey, I'm a black guy and I don't have to talk like the stereotypes that you see on TV. Ha, we have a wide range of who we are, right? And then the same thing goes with all of us, whether it's us being women or, you know, people of color or having uh, limb differences. It's important that everyone sees this wide spectrum. Now, how we come about going, uh, doing that is all up to us, right? Kristen, you came out to me. I'm going to put this in quotes, but you came out to me very early on and it was a quick thing. And then we continued our conversation. Anna, same thing. But sometimes it's a bigger story, right? You both came out in a very big way with this podcast, saying things that you've not really thought about uh, or no, sorry, saying things that you may not have necessarily talked about in a very public way, right? Mm -hmm. And you're giving this awesome representation and differences of experience that I've just appreciated so much. So, yeah. I, you know, it's that struggle of being tokenized, but understanding that, you know, as much as I hate tokenization, my role in this, beyond just the skills of my work and what I do, but even me being in place is important because a lot of the mistakes that companies make, whether it's in design, whether it's in approach, is because there was not someone in the room um, uh, that looked or had the experience of the people that they were about to leave out or offend um, uh, later on. So your experience is important. That. Yeah, we talked about that when we discussed The Witches, that movie that recently yes. came out where they basically gave these characters my hand on each side and we don't believe it was malicious in any way, shape or form. There just was not anybody in that room who could raise the hand and say, Hey, maybe not, mm. you know, and that's to your point, exactly why that's important. Yeah. And I, I sort of had that experience when I got my uh, accessibility placard um, for the first time, and just accepting that that was a resource that would actually be very helpful for me and that I should take advantage of. And then to finally get to that place where I've ex not accepted, but like I've embraced this and I didn't feel as soon as I decided to do it, I didn't feel weird about it anymore. You know, I didn't feel like an imposter. It was just a like, you know what? This is nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't mean it doesn't change anything about me. It's something that that could be helpful in situations and I should go ahead and do it. And that was a really freeing experience. And then to have somebody confirm some of my worst fears about it pretty recently, actually, where like you feel like an imposter to have somebody like track me and watch me get out of my car to see if I was really disabled was like, Oh my God, I am an imposter. Like, Oh my God, I do not represent this community and I don't have it bad enough to be to be claiming this as part of my identity. So I want to represent a more diverse group, even within the uh, disabled community, because it's not just like you say, it's not just wheelchair. But that's what a lot of people think. And it's an interesting experience. It's freeing. It's very I, I, it's a very positive experience. But you do have those people who 
confirm that we do not fit the general image of what a disabled person is. And I I get that. I get it, right? But yeah. I keep thinking I I love that conversation between y'all and Kim. It's like I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And there were parts that I replayed because I I love the conversation. And the one thing that kept coming to me was like the directors that worked with the both of you, it might've been their first time that they ever had to deal with that. Right. And let's say that they may not even had the best reaction to it initially because we all kind of mess up things on the first go, but because they had those interactions who knows how they did the second time, right? Uh, you and me, Kristen, right? We just had this example. You were the first person that I ever met with a limb difference. But our interactions informed how I would approach Anna years and years later, right? When I'm an adult. And so, you know, it's it's tough because, you know, uh, Kat, I'm so glad you brought that up because I thinking about being a minority and and suffering and and like where do where do I fall on the suffer meter? Is, is something that has always been in the back of my brain and no one has, like, I don't think I've s- said it or thought about it as specifically as you, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's important that people understand that broad range, right? You are not, you know, uh, regulated to a wheelchair or need crutches, but, you know, if I was doing theater with you and you said, hey, I need an accommodation for this, then I'm thinking, oh crap, I need to think about that in the future with other shows that I do so I can make sure that I am accommodating because if Kristen needed it in this smaller way, like this super small way, or Anna needed it in this very, very small way, we just need to add handles. I need to rethink some of the things that I take for granted in my future actors so that not only we get more like Kristen and Anna who feel comfortable participating, but even folks who have uh, a more limiting uh, limb differences. I need to you know, be able to accommodate them as well. So sometimes that first interaction is important, no matter where it is on the spectrum of, of your limb difference. I want to, um, you're so right. And I'm so glad that you're here and you spoke, Chase, and about six times I thought, God, I love this man and his brains. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really grateful to know all of you and have you kind of like expand my understanding of what it is to go through the world in a differently shaped body or have a different experience. I think that we should end on something a little uplifting. Um, I want to briefly talk about how I've had to deal with what I would call a temporary disability. Um, You guys Mm -hmm. all know that uh, I had a freak theater accident where I tore my ACL and um, all of a sudden I, a person who largely defined myself by being large, strong, and independent was fully dependent on other people. I couldn't walk. Mm. My partner had to lift me into the bathtub. Um, I couldn't make myself food. I couldn't drive. Mm. And even today, a year and a half later, when I'm supposed to be fully recovered and healed and normal again, I went on a hike with friends and I had to hold somebody's hand every time we went down a hill because I didn't know, I don't know what my body can do anymore and and it can give out. Sometimes all of a sudden in the middle of a motion, I just sit down because I feel my knee twinge and I don't want to tear anything again. And I just full body ragdoll because I don't know what else to do. And so there's this, there's this uncertainty. And um, the first thing that people at work ask me, even a year and a half later is, 
how's your knee doing? It's something everybody knows about me now. And it is, it's, uh, it's changed my life. And halfway through my recovery, I realized how poorly I was doing. I'm claustrophobic. I was having panic attacks because I was locked into this leg brace. And I was full of an indescribable rage because I wasn't in control of my body or my life anymore. And I had to arrange someone to drive me to, and then somebody else to come pick me up from therapy. I had to go. And when I went, Mm -hmm. I told my therapist, I was like, I am so angry. I don't even know at what or where or why. And he made me put my hands on my knee and be grateful for it. He made me think, not my good knee, my bad knee. He said, I want you to put your hands on your knee and I want you to thank it. I want you to say out loud, thank you. And I wept as I did it. And that is a practice I've taken forward. Every time my knee is acting up, I stop. I put my hands on my knee and I say, thank you for carrying me through my life and doing the things that you do for me. And I've started to add that other places. Every time I look at my stomach and think, oh, I need to lose weight or, oh, I force myself to put my hands on my belly and say, thank you for holding all my organs. Look at you. This is, this is my, this is my life meat doing its job. And so I'd like to hear from you guys about where your gratitude comes from. And I think that maybe I would like to hear you say out loud, thank you to little foot and little hand. Cat, this is oh not my fair. God. Now I'm like crying. I know. Me? <laughs> yeah, I'm I, you were saying that and I was just like, oh my God, this is the, this is the most, be- okay. This, this is, is, that is beautiful. That is a gift. This is going to ah. sound so crappy now. It's going to sound like, oh, well, mm. but what you're talking about, I'm realizing, and I've thought about this a lot. That is something that I just sort of did as a kid. Like, I don't know if you guys have listened, but I've, personified my feet my entire life and I have a relationship with each of them that is different but we're we're all a team here in this in this body of mine and I talk to my left foot which um is not the one with the limb difference and I say like all right you're gonna have to you know pick it up today because little foot's having a bad day or I'll be like little foot you did good today or sometimes I give you know I give little foot some extra love like after I get out of the bath or something like you know I'll um I'll just sort of like look at my scars or I'll put like lotion on my foot and just be like yeah you you're doing good but but and it sounds strange but it's so effective. And I don't know, as you know, little baby Kristen, I don't know where that came from. But I am so grateful that 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 is how I've lived through my life and how I've occupied my body is to just have this separate but very special relationship with my limb difference. So I can't really speak to that as a new experience. But I think it is important to broaden it and take it outside of just the context of having a limb difference of just being grateful for for whatever we do have so so I will start uh I don't I don't know my gratitude just comes from being able to to do most of the things that I enjoy and finding ways to to just move through space and to do the things that I love and to have the people around me that I love I'm gonna cry like you guys (laughs) uh and Littlefoot thank you so much for being my friend through all of this. 
damn it. No, I can't even talk. (laughs) Um, Yeah, cat. I'm thinking right now, my mom's going to cry too. So, man. (laughs) I. I don't know that I have personified my little hand in the same way that Kristen has personified little foot, but I have had these flashes of moments before now that I'm thinking back on it where I just think this works, you know, like this is, this is how it's supposed to be. This, this works for me. And hearing you put it in that language of gratitude is incredibly powerful and that and I think that's what that has been you know that it I I can do so much and my little hand is a huge part of that I mean I write with my little hand I am right-handed I do almost everything with my little hand and I mean sometimes it feels a little more strained but dang it works you know and it, it does everything for me and I I am grateful and yeah. So, I mean, dang it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, little hand, for being there and for getting me through life and um, and for making me the unique person I am. I think that's really cool. And now I'm also crying. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's super powerful, Kat. See Thank when I when I get choked up I can't speak which is not good for a podcast. So Yeah. <laughs> Chase, do you have anything you want to be grateful for? Oh yeah. Yeah, I went oh. through this recently. Uh so I have had a lifelong battle with my weight and uh I hate it, right? And Last year, I lost a lot of weight. And then this winter was really, really tough. It was really tough. And I just ate a lot of food and I wasn't cycling or anything like that. And, you know, I gained a bit of weight back. And I remember I was, uh, it got warm outside and um, I'm wearing my my shirts from last year. I'm taking my dog Arcade for a walk. And what what we overweight people do is we usually like try to stretch our shirts out uh, so that we don't feel bad. Uh, and then a, a gentleman I know, his name is Shane Roush. Uh, he posted on his Instagram a picture of himself shirtless. And he said, you know, he and I have talked about how he's felt about his own body and he's been losing weight as well. And he said, you know, I may not have uh, an Instagram body or anything like that, you know, and I've struggled with weight, but you know what, I'm going to post this photo with confidence. And so I, after seeing that, I took Arcade for a walk and I just said, you know, let's just, let's pretend like, like, let's just act like we don't care. Your body works, man. Your body works. Uh, You can do all the things that you want to do. Stop hating it, you know, stop hating it. Stop hating how you temporarily are. Even if you're going to be this for the rest of your life, think of all the things that you've been able to do because of this body that you own, you know? And so I think in that way, I, and this is the first time I've done this because I have not ever thanked my body, uh, but I thank it for, you know, allowing me to do a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, whether it be in theater, whether it be music, uh, the ability to sing, the ability to speak, the ability to stand here, you know, and, and just have this amazing conversation with you. We take for granted so much in our own experiences, because we can only live our experiences, but 
you know, I'm super thankful I saw that. So, so, you know, thank you, body for allowing me to traverse this world and meet amazing people and to be hypersensitive to those people and their emotions and hopefully being able to make their day better. And, you know, even though we have some rough times, we are both standing here right now and we've been doing it for 36 years. Holy shit. I love this. <laughs> I love this cat. Like I can't, I've never thought about something like this before. Now I just, I want to share it with everybody because that is just an amazing way. Yeah. <sighs> I encourage every single this. person. <laughs> I know. I encourage every single person who's listening to this to right now, take a second and do this. Mm -hmm. oh and God. just, I mean, it, it's really powerful. Yeah. So thank you so much, Kat, for sharing that with yes, us. Yes, thank you. And you guys can't see it, but like as Chase was talking, he like gave himself a hug. And as I was talking, I'm, I'm reaching under my desk and I'm like holding. Well, and that's that's part of it is to like to establish that. It sounds so weird, but to establish that relationship with whatever part of you you're insecure about or that you're currently unhappy with or that you think gives you problems because something that occurs to me as you were talking chase is time and how much time goes by if you let yourself live in a place of not doing things because you're not happy with your body or because you don't think you can do it as well as you want to be able to or as well as someone else and just you know we're not old but like chase and chase and I are both 36 and I don't like I don't ever for myself or for my friends, I don't ever want to hear that, you know, years from now you look back and you think, man, I wasted so much time being so unhappy in my, in my body or just mm. being myself. A lot of people, like you're never going to be perfectly happy with your body or you're never going to be able to do something exactly the same way that someone else can. So if you're waiting for that, it's not going to happen. It's just not. And it's always better to just do the thing <laughs> than to wait for that, you know, because you'll find a way to do it your own way and yeah. that'll be just as good. Did you guys see the, it was going around um, a while ago on social media. It was, it might've been a Tumblr thread or something. And it was about somebody rethinking the whole, anything worth doing is worth doing right saying. And it's like, no, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. If mm. it's worth doing, it's worth sucking at it at first, at least, but just to do it. If you want to mm. do it, it doesn't matter if you're good at it. It doesn't matter if you do it right. Just do it. Who cares if you do it right? Just do it. I love I that. Love that. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely great. Jeez, well, this got more guys. emotional than I thought. I didn't. I, I know. <laughs> I did not it's, expect this. <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been such a great conversation. Yeah. I am so glad we did this. Me too. Um, thank you, guys so much yeah. for being on here with us is there anything else either of you had that we didn't get to or that you want to throw in real quick mine goes to a longer conversation about theater and you know what a show of people with limb differences look like but i hope that one day uh you both did uh a a quick performance um at like an open mic night for uh, uh performance arts uh kristen you did a monologue and i think anna you did a conversation back and forth and i don't know if it was real but about dates and and you yes. know people respond i hope that one day you both post that uh because or a, an audio version of that because i think it would be really really cool to 
uh, first, I think people should hear it. Uh, Kristen, yours brought me to tears. And then Anna, yours made me laugh. And then I was like, oh my God, men are actually like this. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but to share some of the theater and art, uh, performance art that you've already created surrounding limb differences in the world, not just them and of themselves, uh, uh, I hope you share that and the backstory behind it. Uh, because Kristen and Anna, th- those are two things I've never gotten a chance to talk to you about. But that's what I hope to hear in the future. Okay. Noted. Awesome. I just want to share uh, my gratitude with the three of you for challenging and expanding my worldview. I've been doing a lot of work recently at my job, thinking about how we consider and accommodate minorities in our healthcare system. We're doing a book club at work. I hosted our Black Lives Matter town hall at work, and I'm constantly being pushed to consider the world outside of my body. And something I think about a lot now is that I have a literal platform to put people on as a director, as I've been doing more directorial work. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean? And I'm just so grateful to hear all of your stories and your life experiences, not as people with a disability or people of color or people on the, the LGBTQ community, but just as people. And so I'm just very, very grateful to to be here. And thank you for having me. Thank you guys both so much for, for doing this. I appreciate that you spent your morning with us and this was really great. You guys, it was amazing. If you have any thoughts you would like to share with us about this episode or about anything that was said, if you have questions, please feel free to shoot us a message. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, Life and Limb Series on Facebook, Life and Limb Podcast on Instagram, and Life and Limb Pod on Twitter. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe. It helps a lot. Anna always has to do that part because there is no way I would ever remember all of those things remember all of our handles and everything no I would not (laughs) well thank you guys so much for tuning in uh we love you we appreciate you we are grateful for you and we will see you next time bye guys thanks for listening